It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. (laughs) Let's get ready to temper here on Locked On Dolphins. I'm Kyle Krabs. Now, welcome to the legal tampering period, which opens today at 12 noon. So it's pretty good chances if you're listening to this podcast, you are hearing the tampering in action. And the question is, how active are the Miami Dolphins going to be in the 2020 legal tampering period? I would at least expect this Dolphins climate to be different than what we experienced in 2019, in which this team simply sat on their hands. We were stunned and awed that the Dolphins were even remotely interested in Trey Flowers, the defensive end from the Patriots, who ended up going to Detroit because they were willing to pay $19 million a year. I have a feeling we're probably going to see that same storyline, just mentally prep yourselves now, play out for the Miami Dolphins in 2020. This team has their eyes on a number of players. But specifically in the case of Joe Thune, the momentum, the tea leaves, if you will, seem to be pointing towards Thune getting priced to the point where Miami's going to say, well, you know what? We probably don't want to pay you number one wide receiver money low-end starting quarterback money to come play guard for the Miami Dolphins. And it's hard to blame them, honestly. I feel like that is the one mistake that we've seen these Dolphins over the course of Dominican Sioux years and and even going back before that, the uh, Nell Ellerby contract, the Mike Wallace contract. It's like Miami gets the idea of this guy in their head and they're willing to do whatever it takes. And yes, you get excited. It's it's natural and understandable to get excited about those kinds of acquisitions, but what they end up promoting on your roster is unbalanced rosters and disproportionate wages for certain players and positional value, and, and, and it gets to be a whole mess. And team building, if you're not familiar, my, my full-time gig is at thedraftnetwork.com. I'm a senior NFL draft analyst there. We refer to ourselves as football's 33rd front office. So team building and the aspects of team building are especially fascinating for me. And one of the guys that I work with, Dre Harris, is a longtime NFL scout with the Kansas City Chiefs. I believe he, he scouted seven years with the Chiefs. So getting to hear some kind of some of the inner workings of people that were part of that organization and how they felt and targeted and built their teams, the Dolphins are going to be better off in the long run if they exercise restraint, even if it means you don't land the guys that you're initially interested in, the Joe Thunies of the world, perhaps even the Logan Ryans of the world, although I would be surprised to see Logan Ryan 
be somebody who gets priced out of the Dolphins' uh, price point. Uh, Miami wants strength in numbers, and strength in numbers in free agency specifically with them not having to worry about anybody from a compensatory pick perspective this year uh, because they're losing nobody. Uh, Their priority is volume. And not volume of money, volume of players, because this team needs as much infusion of talent as it could possibly get. So would you rather have, genuine question, would you rather have Michael Pierce, Logan Ryan, and Ted Karras, or would you rather have Joe Thune? Genuine question, because that that those are the kinds of questions the Dolphins are going to have to ask themselves and, and decide. And because this team has so many holes and has so much desperate need for fresh faces and, and an infusion of talent, don't be surprised to see them sit tight on their perceived value of players and let the market dictate, well, we're either going to get this guy or we're not. But before we continue any further, we do need to talk about two quarterbacks. One of those quarterbacks is a man named Tom Brady. And another one of the quarterbacks that we need to talk about, his name is Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill, if you missed it yesterday, uh, inked himself a four-year contract extension worth up to $118 million. And collectively, the subsection of Miami Dolphins fans who were all about Ryan Tannehill and wanted to place the blame for the Dolphins' shortcomings on everybody except for Ryan let out a collective groan, and I even saw a few fans say that the Dolphins are going to rue the day they traded Ryan Tannehill. And listen, if you weren't rooting for the Titans and Ryan Tannehill in the postseason uh, up until the AFC Championship game, I don't know what to tell you. You know, the, the dude gave everything he had to this organization for a really long time and laid his body on the line, and I thought it was really... He, he did what he could and overcame as much as he did to be an average starting quarterback at the NFL level, uh, which is impressive when you take into consideration uh, just how poorly run so much of the structure around him in Miami was. But you have to keep the perspective of the Titans with this contract extension. It's guaranteed two years. He's locked in for two years. And the third year, I believe his salary is like $29 million and becomes fully guaranteed uh, by the fifth day of the 2021 season. So effectively, he is either one and done or he's three years in Tennessee. That's how this thing's going to play out. Uh, you have to keep in mind that the Titans are betting on being the exception to the rule. And what I mean by that is the Titans are betting on being that team that plays a brand of football that is completely different than everybody else. And that being a sustainable model of success. And in the grand scheme of things, Ryan played well for like 11 games. And the Titans had success for just over half of a season with Ryan as their starting quarterback. And then we made the playoffs, and the Titans did anything and everything they could to avoid having Ryan throw the football. 
and I don't want to diminish what Ryan did. And at the end of the day, Ryan Tannehill's legacy with the Dolphins will be he made it acceptable to once again demand greatness from a Dolphins quarterback. And that's a really powerful gift to give. Because for a really long time, it was like the John Backs and the Pat Whites and the Chad Hennies and the Cleo Lemons and the A.J. Feelys and the Sage Rosenfelses and the Gus Ferrats. All that trash we had to go through for so long as fans of the Dolphins. And then we got Chad Pennington, and it's like, wow, this is really nice. And then it was, they finally made the jump. They finally invested in a quarterback, and it was fun for about the first three years, right? It's like the first year as a rookie was like, well, the go, go, go thing with with Sherman, Mike Sherman kind of sucked, and it's like, well, I could sit here and know on television whether my team's going to run or pass the ball before the ball's even snapped because they're doing this dumb thing with the snap cadence. And then by year three, it's like he, he threw for like 4,000 yards and he, the, the arrow was pointing up and then we hit the plateau. But the, the plateau with Ryan Tannehill was literally better than anything we'd ever seen after Dan Marino with the exception of 2008 with Chad Pennington. And that became the time in my life as a Dolphins fan where it was no longer, oh my God, it's third and eight, we have to pass, let's just hope we don't throw a pick to expecting good things to happen. And the good things didn't happen nearly as much as they needed to happen, and that's why Ryan has since moved on. But that's Ryan's legacy, and I will always cheer and support for Ryan unless it's a game in which he would go play a Super Bowl in Miami on the line, or unless he's playing the Dolphins. I'm happy for Ryan Tannehill. But we can't pretend he's something he's not, which is what the Dolphins' coaches tried to make him out to be for so long. And what exactly that is, I'm going to tell you right after this brief pause for sponsor identification. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So Miami Dolphins coaches, Adam Gase, Joe Philbin, they tried to make Ryan Tannehill be a Matt Ryan. It's probably the best example. Like a guy who's going to throw the ball 40 times a game. That was never who he was. And that's why when you saw Ryan go to Tennessee, all of a sudden he has success because this team wants to run the ball 30 times a game. This team wants to pound the rock and then come over the top of the play-action passing. Miami never gave him that. So us as Dolphins fans, we can't hold ill will towards Ryan Tannehill because the team never tried the team tried to make him something he was not and they never surrounded him with the players that he needed to have this the kind of success that he had in a very small sample size in Tennessee, less than a full season's worth, just over half a season's worth. But we also can't sit here and be like, "Wow, Dolphins really screwed up by letting Ryan Tannehill walk, did they? Did they really?" Do you really think Ryan Tannehill was going to play quarterback for the Dolphins 
last year and not end up on an injured reserve by week eight. This team put his body through the ringer. And the reason why Ryan thrived is because he was getting hit much less because he wasn't being asked to pass the ball as much. And when he was being asked to pass, it was play action, so it was freezing people. Tannehill was never, it was time to move on. So if you are one of the Dolphins fans who are still hanging on to the ghost of Ryan Tannehill and, oh, the Dolphins are never going to get over it, please. It was time. It had run its course. I've talked about life cycles and team life cycles and player life cycles. Ryan Tannehill, the NFL quarterback's life cycle, and the Miami Dolphins' 2019 life cycle were on complete opposite ends of the spectrum. It was time to move. Just like, how's this for a segue, you can make the case it is time for Tom Brady to move on from the AFC East. Chris Sims of Pro Football Talk NBC Sports yesterday stated that Tom Brady is down to two teams, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New England Patriots. And if you look at these two teams on a surface level, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, even after putting the franchise tag on Shaq Barrett this morning, will have like the eighth most cap space in the NFL. They have more cap space than the Patriots. They have more draft selections in the first two rounds than the New England Patriots. The Patriots pick 23rd, and that's it. The Buccaneers have 14, and then they have an early, a top, another top 50 pick. The Buccaneers have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait as pass catchers. The Patriots went out and spent a two on Mohamed Sanu to go along with no tight ends. Top tight end is Matt Lacoste and Julian Edelman. Edelman's a good player, but he's not Mike Evans and he's not Chris Godwin. The Patriots don't have enough cap space to bring back their best offensive lineman in Joe Thune. Ted Karras is going to walk. David Andrews had blood clots in his lungs last year. They need a new right tackle. Not to mention the guys that the Patriots are going to see leave and walk in free agency. They're bringing back Devin McCourty and Jason McCourty. Kyle Van Noy is probably going to walk. Danny Shelton's going to walk. This team is about to lose a lot of pieces because if they bring back Tom Brady, here's the kicker. If the Patriots bring back Tom Brady and they've said they're going to pay him $25 million a year, Patriots are going to be down to $12 million of cap space. Not having re-signed any other veterans, having to accommodate a rookie class. It's a problem. So if you are Tom Brady, why would you not leave? Why would you not pack your bags, go sail for sunny Tampa, Get the hell out of everybody's lives in the AFC East and go prove that you can win without Bill Belichick. Because from a no state income tax perspective, from a weather perspective, from a personnel perspective, from what the team can use to build around you this offseason in the midst of a one or two year winning window perspective, the Buccaneers are a better team. And it feels really weird to say these kinds of things about the New England Patriots. And even if the Patriots ultimately end up losing Tom Brady, they're going to make a move. They're going to either acquire a cheap free agent 
quarterback reclamation project like Marcus Mariota. They're going to trade for somebody like Andy Dalton from the Cincinnati Bengals. And they're probably going to be competitive and they're probably going to win 10 games next year because they got great coaching. And as we saw last year with the Miami Dolphins, great coaching trumps a lot of trash. And the Patriots, say what you will, I don't think the loss of Joe Judge to the New York Giants is going to be the crippling loss in the Patriots coaching tree that's going to bring them back down to earth. They'll still be competitive, but they won't have Tom freaking Brady. And that, my friends, after two decades of tormenting Jets, Bills, and Dolphins fans, would be a new lease on life that I cannot even imagine as a football fan. I have been hoping and praying for Tom Brady to leave the Dolphins alone since I was 10. 12, technically, 2001. So could you imagine seeing him leave to go to, of all places in the world, one of the more small market NFL teams, Tampa Bay, because Tampa Bay, and this is true, has a better resume to present to Tom to say, here, Tom, here's what we're going to do for you. Please, I need it. I need it more than I need air in my lungs. I need Tom to go. Go and don't come back. Don't look back. Will it actually happen? Flip a coin. Because it's one team or the other. You know, now, now all of a sudden NFL Network this morning is saying that the Chargers are going to make a push. And I'm sure they will because we've talked about how the Chargers uh, have been wanting to make a splash. right? And if they sign Tom Brady then you can bet your bottom dollar they're going to draft an offensive tackle at six. And that's good news for the Dolphins, too, because it's one less team in the quarterback market to worry about leapfrogging them and putting stress on them when the draft rolls around. So, you, Tom, go anywhere. I don't care. Just go. <laughs> but with th this is the place we're at right now. And Jeff Darlington said it a few weeks ago, uh, who is an awesome NFL reporter these days, and, and he's in the know, and he said he would be stunned if Brady comes back to New England. And the fact that the Patriots are starting to spend their dollars, they've spent it on both McCourty's and Matthew Slater in the last 72 hours, should be telling. They're starting to spend. They're down to $37 million in cap space. Tom Brady would command 25 of it. This might be the light at the end of the tunnel that we have been hoping and praying and sleeping on for years and years and years. And that's reason to get excited as we enter this legal tampering period. I uh, want to talk about the rest of the names that are off the market. We've seen a slew of franchise tags come in this morning. The deadline is 11.59 a.m., so in about an hour and six minutes from this exact moment as I'm recording. We've got a bunch of franchise tags rolling, and we're going to recap them. We're going to talk about who's off the board, if it impacts the Dolphins. And we'll be right back after this brief pause for sponsor identification to get into the nitty-gritty as we roll into the legal tampering period today. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, 
Look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So the franchise tag. The teams have really sat on this for as long as they possibly can, but we've seen an explosion. More than double the number of franchise tags have been used this morning versus what were used over the course of the weekend. The Dallas Cowboys have placed an exclusive rights franchise tag on Dak Prescott. The Cincinnati Bengals have placed franchise tag on wide receiver A.J. Green. Titans, running back Derrick Henry. The Chiefs, defensive tackle Chris Jones. The Buccaneers, pass rusher Shaq Barrett. The New York Giants, defensive tackle Leonard Williams. The Jaguars, Yannick Ngakwe. Shout out to all of the uh, loyal Locked On Dolphins and Draft Dudes listeners who yelled at me uh, for saying Yannick. It's Yannick Ngakwe. Chargers and tight end Hunter Henry, the Ravens and outside linebacker pass rusher Matt Judon, Steelers, outside linebacker pass rusher Bud Dupree, Washington Redskins, Brandon Scherf, and the Denver Broncos, Justin Simmons. Safety. Is there movement here that impacts the Dolphins? Yes, of course there is. If Dak Prescott hit the open market, would the Dolphins have kicked the tires? Who knows? He was never expected to hit the market. I think it's an Dak Prescott is an interesting case study for fans everywhere uh, because the expectations uh, versus reality versus cap price versus what teams would would like to pay him, you get very different answers. I would tell you the money he's asking for for anybody who says that Dak Prescott is being greedy, uh, the money that Dak is asking for is because there are quarterbacks getting paid more than what he's being offered that he's better than. Namely, at this point, Jared Goff. Uh, that contract stands out. Uh, he, he, wants Carson Wentz, he wants more than Carson Wentz, and I think Dak at this point is a better quarterback than Carson Wentz. Uh, so it gets to be a slippery slope when you start to measure it that way. Dolphins, obviously, they will not be players for Dak at this point in time, and that's going to force them to move on unless, you know, Will Brinson from CBS, his prediction uh, from a mock draft comes through and you give up 5-18 and 18 for Dak, in which case you as a Dolphins fan would have the right to be pissed. A.J. Green really doesn't impact the Dolphins. Derrick Henry does, but more so from the sense that it might prop up the price for, like, Melvin Gordon. I don't think Miami was ever going to spend 12 to $15 million on a running back, which is what Derrick Henry wants. He wants that Zeke Elliott money. And after the way he carried the Titans last year, <clears throat> excuse me, wink, wink, I don't blame him. Chris Jones from Kansas City, uh, the expectation with the, the Chiefs' uh, cap space there is they may, this may be a tag-and-trade candidate. Uh, and as good as Chris Jones is, the Dolphins, uh, no. I think this gets, you know, we talked at the beginning of the show about unbalanced rosters. To have Christian Wilkins, Devon Godchal, and then to trade picks and big money for Chris Jones, it just, it feels really redundant. And uh, 
you know, as far as the draft goes, I'm a firm believer of, of drafting good players above all else and not boxing yourself in with team need. But when you're talking money and picks, it gets a little more slippery. Uh, Tampa Bay, Shaq Barrett. Of course, Miami probably would have been interested, but at the same time, Barrett got more than half his career sacks. He's been in the league like five years last season with Tampa Bay. I'd like to see him prove it. Seems like Tampa wants to let him prove it. They put him on the, the franchise tag, let him play it out. Uh, Giants, the only impact Leonard Williams coming back with the franchise tag is going to have for the Dolphins is it's going to give the Jets uh, potentially a higher draft pick in 2021. Uh, Giants GM Dave Gettleman traded for Williams at the trade deadline for a three this year and a conditional pick in 2021. Uh, if Williams signs a contract by, I think it's Wednesday, that conditional pick goes from a fifth-round pick in 2021 to a fourth-round pick in 2021 for the Jets. Ngakwe, we've talked about. Hunter Henry, uh, non-impact for the Dolphins, thankfully, as Mike Gusecki had his big breakout year this past year. He needs to back it up, but I think there's no urgency to add another tight end, especially with us going to the Chan-Gailey spread. Matt Judon hurts. Bud Dupree hurts. Brandon Scherf hurts. I don't think Justin Simmons was ever leaving Denver, so I don't think he's really an impact for the Dolphins either. Uh, Scherf, good football player, really would have been a great scheme fit, right guard, physical mauler up front. Durability's a question. He's 28, so he's getting close to 30. He's going to pass 30 uh, about halfway through whatever his next big contract is. I think it's it stinks for Miami, but I think in the long run, I would rather have Joe Thune than Brandon Scherf uh, because there's a durability factor. He's a little bit younger. And I, I ultimately think uh, Scherf is a more high-risk signing. Between Judon and Dupree, Judon's a better player. I think he's a better fit for the Dolphins as well. Both these guys had big breakouts this past year. Dupree finally had a big sack year. Judon, I believe, had nine and a half. Would I trade for either one of these guys? Probably not. If I could get Judon for like 70, I might flip him. Uh, because he's going to be way better than any other options you get there because he's a really good run defender, th three, four outs, stand-up outside linebacker. Uh, but Baltimore's probably going to want more than that. And with that in mind, with the franchise tag guaranteed money you're going to have to give him and giving up potentially a second-round pick, and they're talking about trying to flip, Washington's trying to flip Trent Williams for a two. If I'm giving up a two, I'm not giving it up for Matt Judon if Trent Williams could be had for the same price. There's going to be a ton of news that drops in the next 24 hours, so make sure you keep it right here on Locked on Dolphins. Come back tomorrow bright and early. I'm going to have one up early to react to the, the legal tampering nonsense that drops here at noon. I'm getting ready to run this podcast just before the opening bell of the legal tampering period, which is now down to 57 minutes from as I'm recording this as we speak. So I'm going to quit messing around. I'm going to get this out for you guys to listen. Kyle Krabs at Grinding Tape on Twitter. Make sure you follow at Locked on Fins. I've been getting some great feedback on the podcast, which I really appreciate. Please send your reviews on iTunes or whatever you choose to listen to if you enjoy the show. If you don't, send me a tweet and then let me fix it and then give me the five-star review. I don't think that's too much to ask, right? Come on back tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Locked On Dolphins. Fins up. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, 
Look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.